1: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
2: Hey, this is Joe's sister Nikki. I think I might be the only girl in the world who has a brother who spends his entire day in the basement pretending he has an
0: internet radio
1: show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and get ready to get schooled up on 401ks because today we're helping you tweak your retirement funds for a better outcome. And guess who's joining us for this shindig? She's just been voted one of the top 10 financial advisors online. It's the woman behind Sophia Financial, our friend Stephanie McCullough. Plus a master of money and the one woman who will actually put up with us every week, Paula Pant. And rounding out our panel, it's Albert Einstein. Nah, he said something about meeting with a relative or relativity maybe, I don't know. So we got his smarter older brother, Len Penzo, instead. But that's not all. Halfway through the show, I'll share my assembly-required trivia question. And now, a guy who knows how to prepare for the future, it's Joe Salcihai.
0: Well, hey, stackers, and happy Friday to you. I have spent so much time prepping for today because we're hopefully going to help you make your way to a million dollars using your retirement plan and... To get there, although Doug, you so eloquently uh, said hello to all of our guests, let's hear all their voices and we'll start deep under Los Angeles where it looks like on my dad's shortwave radio, it appears he's wearing an LA Kings t-shirt. Is that Mr. Len Penzo?
3: Yes, it is, and I'm wearing that to try and stay cool. It's so hot here. By the way, you know I'm in the middle here of, of uh, I'm going to the dentist tomorrow, and so as you know, uh, I have my routine when I go to the dentist. I never floss ever, except three days before I go to the dentist. So I'm in that time period. I just don't. <laughs> Every time I've told you now. The hygienist can never tell. They always compliment me on how good of a flosser I am. And all you have to do is do it three days before you go to the dentist. So, it's uh, like
1: Len found a loophole. He's all excited is a loophole. about it. It is a loophole. Why is like getting by the hygienist like the
3: meaning of life?
1: He's <laughs> it, it, like he's preparing to meet St. Peter at the gates. Instead, it's his hygienist who's the one it's he's worried three about. It's my three-day training
3: period for the dentist.
1: <laughs> Len,
0: Len is like, see, all the flossing around my four remaining teeth is pretty good. That's <laughs> pretty pretty, pretty great. And the woman joining us from a high rise over Manhattan, Paula Pamp from Afford Anything is here. How are you?
4: I am fantastic. I am also trying to uh, to beat the heat. I've got three out of four shades drawn, but of course the one that isn't drawn is like shining it's bright so on f- my face. Right yeah. in your face. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, but here I am. Um, I also had to turn the air conditioner off in order to be on this show because this uh, my microphone is located right next to my AC, so of course you know. it is
0: exactly yeah. exactly. Which Paul's like, so we got to get on with it.
1: Let's <laughs> let's get on with it.
4: No, it's cool. It's free hot yoga. So if we free see you yoga. sweating <laughs> during the
1: trivia, it's not because you're nervous about the trivia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, people think uh, Paul is
0: getting in the second half of the show. She's sweating out the answers to all the questions. <laughs> that might not be the case. And a woman, we're always super happy she's here. But I wasn't surprised to hear what Doug mentioned earlier. When I saw her name in the list of the top 10 financial planners online, Stephanie McCullough is here. Congratulations, girlfriend.
2: Thanks, Joe. Great to see you guys. I'm happy to be here. I'll, I'll just say that I'm always warm despite the weather because I'm just at that phase of life. So I've got my fan blowing on me at all times.
0: <laughs> she's, she's got her human warming condition going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cheryl is like, when is this going to end? She's yeah. like, at some point she will go from everything's fine to all of a sudden she's a heater.
2: This is my new company swag I bought because I figured if I see women, you know, in my target demographic and I hand out fans, they'll appreciate that I get them.
0: (laughs) And that is for people not watching the YouTube version of the show. That's a pretty sweet uh, fan you got there. Thank you. Uh, But tell everybody about your podcast because you have a ton of fun on the podcast. Tell everyone about it.
2: We do. So we call it Take Back Retirement, which is a nod to my Gen Xers when I was in college we had the Take Back the Night marches, which were against violence against women. So we've been going about two and a half years now. My co-host Kevin Gaines and I, he's you know, I think back to Donnie and Marie, he's a little bit kind of geeky and, and quantitative and I'm a little bit. And you're a little bit rock and, and roll? Totally. Oh. Yeah. Absolutely. My <laughs> God,
1: I thought I made old people references.
2: There you go. I'm all in. <laughs>
0: Doug's like, we're connecting. <laughs> we're connecting with a guest. Marie references. Absolutely. Well, Stephanie, super happy that you're here. We got Stephanie. We got Paula. We got Len. We got Doug. We're going to help people hopefully use their 401k better today. Maybe starting with some legislation. There's a new piece out about that. We're going to kick things off there. But before that, Stephanie, since you were here last time, we got some new rules of the road. Do you, know okay. the, do you know the new rules?
2: I do not. Fill me in. All right.
0: Well, I see you're sitting down. So just hold on. And we're going to hit this button right here. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound like rules of the road. Oh, my bad. Uh, Hold on. I'm going to press this one. I guess that means, Stephanie, there may not be any rules for the road. So, <laughs> awesome. So, sorry. Now we're ready to kick things off. Let's go. Today's piece comes to us from Investment News, which is an industry rag for uh, financial professionals. This is written by Emil Halaz. Emil writes, 401ks need private equity and real estate, study says... 401k plans are missing out on $35 billion with a B dollars a year in returns. They could see if they incorporated private equity and real estate. A recent report from Georgetown University Center for Retirement Initiatives found Stephanie, let's start with you because somebody who's helping clients all the time with 401k plans. First of all, real estate, a lot of people listening to this might go, wait a minute, I got a REIT in my 401k. I got a REIT fund. They're not talking about REIT funds, though, are they?
2: they're not. They're talking about private investments that are illiquid and generally hard to access for your, you know, average
0: investor. And what does private equity mean for people that don't know that phrase either?
2: That's another thing that's kind of, you know, not available unless you're an accredited investor, so it's investing in private companies and, you know, you hear about PE firms and buying into companies and then maybe not always doing what other folks might want them to do. But there can be high returns and there can be a lot of risk. You can invest in private equity and your money can go poof and you get nothing back. So it's high risk, potentially high return. It's a different asset class than you normally get in your 401k, which I guess is what the article's trying to get at.
0: Yeah, Paula, this says that it's Georgetown University Center of Retirement. I think this must be pretty smart people. But when you read this, adding adding private equity and illiquid real estate funds to your 401k, what was your first
4: thought? Well, generally, I think that allowing people access to investments that are typically closed off to them, as a principle, I like that concept. I've long thought that the rules around who gets to be an accredited investor are a little bit too arbitrary. So in order to become an accredited investor, you have to have either a certain net worth or a certain income. What they are trying to do is they're trying to use that net worth and or that income as a proxy for your sophistication as an investor. I think that's a a totally bogus way. If, If what they're trying to test for is your sophistication as an investor, why not just give everyone an investing test the same way you give people a driver's test, right? You have to prove that you can drive to get a driver's license. Take a test, and then regardless of your income, regardless of your net worth, if you pass the test, you've proven that you're sophisticated and you can access... Investments that an accredited investor does. So I would support, you know, I I like the idea of opening up, broadly speaking, opening up investments to people who might be highly sophisticated, but simply don't have the income level or the net worth to be able to access that upper echelon of investments. That said, by putting it in a 401k and making it available to everyone without some type of standard to prove that they know what they're doing, that could also be
1: problematic. Yeah, Paula, just go out onto any lake on July 4th. And that proves that having money doesn't mean that you're qualified to, to do something because a lot of people <laughs> own boats that don't know what the hell they're doing.
0: <laughs> There's a 401k analogy there. A lot of people got a 401k. They got, they got no idea what they're doing. Len, what did you think when you first read this?
3: Well, you know me i I was <laughs> I, I was like, hmm, well, that's uh, like Stephanie said, you know high potential high returns also means potential high risk and uh, I think there's a few things that people don't think about too on some th- those like uh, private equity investments uh, you, you can't access those funds right away sometimes and I really I'm not going to profess to know why that is. I guess it's because the money is tied up. And it's supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be waiting for, you know, the returns to come down the road. So you just can't put the money in and pull it out like a stock. So th- those are restrictions that I think a lot of people might be caught unaware with. And if you're like me, an old guy who's uh, able to start accessing those retirement funds, uh, you may end up getting surprised when you try to pull the money out and you find out you can't get it. It's it's not there. So – um you know, it's it's not like a stock. You know, it's not like just buying stocks and highly liquid, and you can buy it and pull and sell it in the same day within ten minutes if you want. But it is a little different, and so uh, you know, I think there should be a little bit of knowledge uh, before you jump into something like that.
0: Do you like the idea of changing Paula's idea of changing the accredited investor requirement to get rid of this net worth thing and instead be some type of a financial literacy quiz?
3: Well, yeah, I mean. You know, the libertarian that I am i you know to me it's like everybody you know you're responsible for yourself, so that's up to you if you want to jump in that's great um I do know there's some things though like i there's some investments I had jumped into some funds I jumped into that I couldn't get in unless I had a certain it wasn't based on income or net worth it was based on how much you were willing to put you know a minimum investment amount, so that's a little bit different, so you know you had to put in x dollars if you couldn't pony up the money, they wouldn't let you into the fund. So, I mean, that's just another way. But generally, I'm for, you know what, it's caveat emptor, you know, buyer beware. Um, But that's just me. I know there's a lot of people that think people should be protected from themselves.
0: How much was the down payment on that boat, Len? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Uh,
0: Stephanie, back to you. I used to work with people all the time. And my first thought when I read this was just because you could get $35 billion or more, and I understand asset allocation. I understand how the process works. I tend to agree that maybe if you use these alternatives correctly, but it was never about the investments, kind of to Paula's point about, yeah, like opening up the investments. It was about the people. I never saw people using the investments that they already have available correctly. Is is that kind of what you see?
2: Oh my gosh, so much. I remember years ago when I was, you know, the point person for a retirement plan at a hospital and this guy called up and he was really upset because his performance was terrible. And I was able to go online and see, and his performance was terrible. So I went back and saw what happened. So he would get his paycheck on a Friday and then he'd, you know, log in every day and see his account. And every time after the account went down, he'd sell it and go to cash. And then the next paycheck, he'd invest it and he'd wait till it went down, then he'd sell it. So he was locking in all the, the negative returns and getting none of the positive. That's why he was having bad performance. So to some extent, you know, people maybe do have to be protected from themselves because no one really teaches us about this stuff and how to use it wisely, except for the Stacking Benjamins podcast.
0: Of course, Although great. I know we don't learn anything. <laughs> so smooth. <laughs> You're kissing up to us fine until <laughs> that last remark, Stephanie. You we're so close.
2: Yeah, but I, I think that's the danger is, you know, giving people... The tools without the knowledge. Do you know, like I, you
0: know, Paul's saying, idea of maybe
3: a quiz? Yeah, Len. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just, you know, in the 401ks now, I know when I first started, uh, 401ks were pretty simple. You know, there was a few funds you could jump into and and that was it. And by the time I retired, oh my God, I had so many selections in my 401k. Yeah. I can see how people would get confused. And, and it's like, I mean, it's all out there. It's all, you can look it up and it'll explain in excruciating detail what each fund is, but most people don't even bother to to do that. And I can just see how people will get completely confused or overwhelmed with all the choices that they have now in 401ks.
0: Yeah. I don't know what you think, Stephanie, but I don't think more choices, because I saw that too. I don't think more choices have made people better investors.
2: No. And that was kind of the trend I saw back when I started, you know, 26 years ago, the trend was more and more funds, more and more funds, and you'd have a lineup of like 60 funds. So I think the trend towards target date funds, where all you have to pick is the year closest to the year you think you're going to retire. I think that is a big help to people. And then it's up to the investment company to decide the allocation, which of course, you know, can be problematic also. So I think fewer choices as long as they're the good choices. And that puts more onus again on the investment committee and on the employers to be making sure that they're doing the right thing.
0: And I still don't see, Paula, with with fund fees going down, right, and better controls, these lawsuits, mm-hmm. lots of lawsuits that were rightfully filed to make sure that fund fees stayed low. I'm mm-hmm. still not seeing people becoming better investors with their 401k, even though we've got the <laughs> low fees that we all say is the problem.
4: Well, I think that speaks to the distinction between uh, what is mathematically true and what is behaviorally true. And so, you know, this research might point to what is mathematically true if a person were to behave in uh, very specific ways. But it doesn't quite speak to investor behavior, investor psychology, um, you know, the, the way that humans actually act.
0: Len, what type of a 401k investor were you? Were you, a, I would imagine you were probably a set it and forget it kind of guy.
3: Well, in my early years, I was ridiculously Overly cautious and I, I learned a big mistake. I, 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 it took me a few years to realize, you know, I was being stupid and I was wasting my younger years, uh, when I was had the time, more time to overcome any problems with those risks. It took me a while to change like I said, early on, I was risk averse. Then I wised up uh, and I took more risks until I got a little closer to retirement. And then as I got closer to retirement, I started backing off again on the risks because, you know, it's all about time, really. As long as you have the time to recover, you can wait out any storm usually. So that's your time horizon. It's very, very important when you're investing.
0: Paula, somebody wrote me about the show talking about how some of our advice just seems like not that helpful. And specifically, they were talking about, well, you talk about just behavior. You're not talking Mm -hmm. about like all the hot new investments out there and investing for today. And I wrote back that investing hasn't truly changed that much. And we're actually making the same stupid mistakes we were making 15 years ago and 30 (laughs) years ago. I mean, the mistakes haven't changed. Do you think that Mm -hmm. people, if the only thing they have available to them is a retirement plan at work like a 401k, a 403b, a 457? Can you become wealthy with that one tool?
4: Yes. Yes, 100% yes.
0: Stephanie?
2: Oh, totally. It's really set up in a great manner. It is fix it and forget it. You you decide what percent you want to put in. You, live, you learn to live on what your take home is after your contributions. And then, you know, you go forward and, oh, gosh, you check in a couple years later. Hey, there's money there. So I do think it, you know, used correctly, it can be a great tool.
0: Len,
3: do you think so? Uh, yeah, it's all about saving. Investing is saving, so it's just saving, kind of juiced with juiced returns. Assuming you you make smart, intelligent decisions, um, you can't go wrong doing that. I mean, even back when interest rates were consistently five, six, seven percent. Uh, my grandma, I remember my grandma who just had, her only income was her, you know, social security for many, many years. Uh, When she passed away, she had quite a amount of money saved up. Uh, she was financially comfortable, we found out, uh, after she passed away, just because she was such a good saver and earning just, uh, you know, four or 5% from her bank. So yeah, I think absolutely a 401k, you know, if you do it right, it's even better than having it in a bank account. I
0: asked you all that question just to counter some of the TikTok stuff that I see about 401ks are a ripoff. 401ks are stupid. You shouldn't put money in your 401k. And I see these and some of these people have, you know, tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of followers. In a couple of cases, millions of followers. And I can't believe it. Listen to these statistics. 80% of millionaires, 80% of millionaires invested in their 401k or similar retirement plan at work. 80% of them. And then second, a lot of people think that, of course, millionaires were handed a lot of their money, right? You know, Len, you were talking about your grandmother, who you found out was very comfortable. 80% of millionaires didn't receive any inheritance. None at all. Zero. (laughs) Zip. Let's dive into 401ks then. And uh, before we go to our trivia contest, I just want to ask you all briefly some of the mistakes you see people make with their 401ks. Len, You talked earlier about being too cautious at first, and I really like that as a mistake. Can you compound on that?
3: Yeah. You know, another issue I made once I started getting riskier, you know, I finally overcame my risk aversion problem when I was younger. But then when I, you know, started taking more risks, I had another issue that it took me another year or two to figure out, you know, hey, this was probably not a good idea. And I was using my stock my 401k, like I was a day trader almost. I was in and out of funds. You know, I was looking at performance, and I'd get in and out and out. And I think it's because of guys like me that, at least at my work, they started saying, "Okay, enough of this," and they started charge. They they forced us to hold funds for like thirty days, or we'd be charged like one point five percent or something like that. But even then, it almost never seemed to work properly. Me doing the day trading, I, I would have been so much better off if I just stayed in the darn fund. And, um, you know, and part of that was because I was checking the darn 401k too often, too. So, yeah, I, I think that's uh, another big issue with 401ks, what people manage trying to manage their 401ks.
0: Well, that goes back, Len, I think, uh, to, well, to what you said, Stephanie, earlier about the guy that would lock in his losses all the time. He's kind of trying to day trade, too. Yeah. What's a mistake that you see quite often, Stephanie?
2: So there was a study I read about years ago that said the biggest determinant of the ending balance in your 401k. It's not the funds you picked. It's not the timing of when you put the money in. It's how much you contributed to the plan. I mean, duh, right? When you read it, you're like, oh, of course. But I think that's the big mistake is not taking advantage of it. Certainly, if there's a match from your employer, it seems like you've got to at least put the minimum in to get every dollar extra from the matching funds from your employer, But then put in more and I'll tell you, you know, it always feels like it's not a good time. Like, oh, I've got so many expenses now or my income's not very high now or I've got student loans now. Oh, now I've got kids. There's always something. But your future is going to be there and future you is going to be so happy if you put some more money into that retirement plan because, you know, no one ever got to retirement. It's like, shoot, I wish I hadn't saved so much.
0: I'm going to ask you a question after our trivia break about how you do that, about how you actually get more in when you don't think
4: you can afford more. But Paula, what's a 401k mistake you see quite often? So I agree with Stephanie that that what she just named is the single biggest mistake, which is not making enough contributions. Another mistake is borrowing against it. How many calls, Joe, have you and I taken, right? Where people are like, I'm thinking about borrowing it against my 401k because of X. And usually it's, they want to buy a house. They want to buy a rental property. They want to do, uh, they saw some TikTok that told them that they should. Want to
0: buy a boat for the 4th of July party out on the (laughs)
4: lake. (laughs) Exactly. Borrowing against your 401k, I can't think of, I can't think of a single instance in which it would be a good idea.
0: I totally agree. Worse is I, I think back to most of those People who asked us about borrowing, it's our 401k, Paula. Most of them also quoted the phrase, a friend told me this was probably a good place to get money. Mm, Right. That that drives me crazy, like how pervasive this is. Like, oh, there's, I don't know, some group of people running around (laughs) spreading misinformation. Not that that would happen in our society. There's no misinformation (laughs) at all. Yeah. All right. We're going to leave it right there in the second half of this discussion. I want to now flip this. We talked about problems in the 401k. The fact that while reform may, may, may may help with your 401k the way it is now, you probably can get to be a millionaire using it the way it is. However, we're going to help you use it better. But before we do that, at the halfway point of every show, we have this ridiculous... Trivia competition between our three. Did I say ridiculous? I meant amazing,
1: <laughs> amazing competition between our three this contributors. Is my one contribution to the show, and you're calling it ridiculous? <laughs> I totally missed it. You'll have my resignation letter, <laughs> post haste. Amazing fireworks-laden
0: trivia competition. It's a year long. It's for a huge prize. This traveling uh, trophy that uh, Karen bought at the dollar store. Karen, our producer and uh, it's pretty amazing. Stephanie, today you're playing on behalf of OG, who's won the last two years in a row, which is amazing, but that brings some good news and some bad news. Do you want the good news or the bad news first?
2: Give me the good news.
0: The good news is you get to guess last because the bad news is OG's in last place this year. Oh, no. We are now over halfway through the year, N.O.G. somehow has beaten Paula back <laughs> and held on the last place. <laughs> and for people new to the show, I'm not being mean. Paula usually by this time of the year has sunk to last. She sucks more than she does now. <laughs> yeah.
4: Usually. Consistently. Very consistently.
0: <laughs> O.G. has seven. Paula has
4: eight with another
0: big win last week. What? Mr. Penzo is at 11. Woo! Len, you're not even here, and the people sitting in for you even help you get ahead. So Len with a huge lead here uh at the end of July. So will Len continue? Can Stephanie help OG pull Paula back to a rightful place (laughs) in time for last place? (laughs) Or can Paula continue to defy gravity? We need a question. So, Doug, it's up to you, man. What are we talking about this week?
1: Hey there everybody, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor Doug, and today's all about building. You know, I'm quite the builder myself. Uh, I probably shouldn't brag, but okay, maybe just a little. Not only do I do the announcing for our sister show over at Stacking Deeds, but I once was an understudy for a Legoland builder. I mean, if he ever got stuck, my job was to fill in and hand the correct colored brick to the real builders. I loved it! but. Way too much pressure. One time, just one time, you bump into a display that took like a month to build and everybody gets all bent out of shape. <laughs> Jeez, those Lego people are wired tight. <laughs> Speaking of building, today's date in history is a big one for people building furniture everywhere. It's the anniversary of the founding of IKEA. Many people think it's an acronym for endless arguments, but it actually stands for Ingvar Kamprad Elm So smooth. (laughs) You're
4: a native speaker, I can tell. It's better every time I do it, isn't it?
1: The I and the K are the initials of the then 17-year-old founder's name, and the E and the A are the farm and village where he grew up. I can't understand why you'd want to abbreviate that. I mean, his real name just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? huh Uh, this is this is such a good trivia topic I'm I'm having a hard time narrowing down today's question I mean I could go with something like how many Swedish meatballs do they sell in a year or um, that just feels like it's going to turn into a circular argument so no uh, if that's not a Len joke I don't know what is Uh, how about this one (laughs) Yeah. how many of those little put it together manuals are printed every year or more importantly how many people think they can do it without the manual every year Nah, no one wants to hear about that stat. Here's what I've wondered for a long time. How many Europeans are conceived on an Ikea bed every year? The answer, this is a real stat, is one out of ten, if you were wondering. But here's another question. How many were conceived on that bed when it was still in the showroom? Huh? Huh? That's what I want to know. Who's got that stat? Uh, Here's another one. How about how many marriages have broken up assembling Ikea furniture? There's so many possible Ikea trivia questions, but I probably should keep it simple, just like their instruction manuals. Not. So, (laughs) hey, let's go with this one. Here's your trivia question. You still paying attention, contestants? Already? (laughs) Already. (laughs) Just to make a short story long, what year was Ikea founded? That should be easy. I'll be back right after I go find my old Legos. All this talk is giving me the building itch. I'm in the mood to create a masterpiece. I think it was a
0: masterpiece of a trivia question there, Doug. <laughs> sure was. So
1: let's start off
0: with Mr. Penzo. Ikea. You shop at Ikea? Uh,
3: not anymore. I did when I was younger. Yeah, that was my go-to place. But uh, yeah, I kind of outgrow that. Uh, you know, my daughter goes there all the time for the meatballs, just just to get the Swedish meatballs. Yeah, And what is it then? The Langerberry sauce or whatever it's called there.
0: Or- oh, yeah. Every year on the holidays, we do those. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's my replacement uh, wine glass place. Ah, Like when we break wine glasses, so you're there we every go week? there because they're cause I'm there weekly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll be there after this show because I broke three during your trivia. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Just <laughs> smashed them against the wall.
0: <laughs> it felt so good, Paul. It's, like it's a
1: Greek
3: wedding at Joe's house every day.
0: <laughs> Cathartic. <laughs> But anyway, Len, didn't mean to
3: uh, intercede. No, you know Continue. what? I, it's, uh, I, I have no idea. But for some reason, it seems like it's like a 1960s company, just to me. I, I don't know. I could be completely wrong. So I'm going to say 1968.
0: 19, man, a great year to be born. That was It's fantastic. <laughs> I just, I'm just saying, not that I'd have any experience, but man, that's a kick-ass year. Specifically February of that year. Amazing. <laughs> Paula, what do you think about that? 1968.
4: <sighs> my guess is going to be 1960, but I will explain my reasoning after the next guess.
3: Oh, oh, well, she sounds confident there. That's what I think.
4: Paula's got
0: some strategery going on, Stephanie. Mm.
2: Uh oh, uh oh. Well, I was going to have to brag about my birth year, but that—that that, I'm not sure that's strategically the thing to do. So I will go with my brother's 1969.
0: 1969. So she takes the under, which means you've got everything 19. 19- 69 and beyond.
4: You mean she, she takes the, well, yeah, she takes the up. Yeah. Yeah. The upside, which is the under, I know I got half of that. I got halfway through that. I'm like, how do you, you, yeah. She takes the upside of the numbers, which is the smaller of the, the more recent of the timelines. I
0: I think you start that phrase, Paula, with she be taking
4: she, she, (laughs) yeah. All right. Uh, Paula. So why'd you choose 1960? So in the question, Doug mentioned that the founder was 17 years old when he started the company. So, assuming that he's roughly around 80 years old right now, which I, I believe is to be the case, that would mean that he would be born in roughly 1943. And if he was 17 when he started the company, that puts it at 1960. Wow,
3: that's brilliant. Wow. Very well done. Well, If you know his uh, age, yeah, you've nailed it. Well,
0: let's see who's right. But we're not going to tell you that yet. We're going to let you guys all feel the anticipation while we bring you this. Well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they can also be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. Oh, God. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five That's right. U.S. Cellular, a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Len, you kicked it off with uh, the best year in history, 1968. (laughs) You got surrounded after that. How are you feeling with your 1968 bid now?
3: Well, you know, I think I'm in the ballpark. I I don't know. Uh, sounds like Paul has got a good to handle on it, though. So uh, hey, who knows?
4: But I don't know what year he was. Uh, I don't know um, how old he is. I'm guessing him to be around 80. But if he's 85 or 88, you know. What if he's 45? <laughs> I, I doubt. I I highly doubt that. Really? Oh, well, yeah. maybe. Highly you feeling doubt. confident? Well, because I feel relatively confident that he's alive. Because I don't remember from the previous decade any news articles like, oh, founder of IKEA passed away. So I feel relatively confident that he's alive, but he is most likely an elderly gentleman. So I'm, I'm guessing that he's going to be in his 80s-ish. I think with the name- <laughs> Maybe in his 90s.
0: <laughs> with the name like Ingvar Kamprad uh, being broadcast on, on major news channels in the U.S., you'd be like, what? Who? Stephanie Nineteen sixty nine, feeling good. Well, I the
2: one that came to my head was also the same one. Lenpek sixty eight.
3: Get out of here, really? And I was
2: born in sixty seven, February. It was true. That's what popped in my head. Well, February what? I was going to go with sixty seven because February sixty seven is the best time to be born.
3: Oh, 19th. second best, Stephanie. But oh my, anyway. you're the nineteenth, and I'm I'm February seventeenth, and Joe is February sixteenth. Isn't
2: that a Oh, my gosh. You it's
3: believe so that? so wild.
2: My husband's the 23rd. My daughter's the 25th. Oh,
3: my God.
0: We're surrounded. My grandparents were the- My wife uh, is
3: February God. 9th. 14th and okay, 17th. Okay. Lots of people were born in February. We get it. No, just cool people. <laughs> no, you don't get it month. because it's the best month. Yeah. It's the greatest okay. month. Point made. So was Abe Lincoln and George Washington. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Uh, it's my Everybody's turn to talk now joe it's like can we go into the trivia anytime soon we got 19 19- <laughs> hey, this is still not longer than his intro for this question
0: <laughs> <laughs> got 14 minutes to go uh, we got 1968 from len we got 69 from stephanie 1960 from paula who's closest doug what's our answer
1: Hey there stackers, I'm Lego builder and master Ikea assembler, Joe's mom's neighbor Doug. And on today's date in history, the suburbs version of a corn maze was born. That's right, Ikea was founded on July 28th by a 17-year-old in a remote area of Sweden called it's remo- <laughs> Nailed it! It's remote location led to the company launching its soon-to-be-famous catalog, who knew getting customers to assemble their own furniture could become a $44 billion business? Well, I guess Ingvar Compra did. So my question was, what year was IKEA founded? Well, Stephanie was just 26 years off, Len was just 25 years off, Paula was off by 17 years because it was 1943 when Ikea was founded in Sweden, and that means the universe will continue to be out of balance because Paula is our winner. Woo! What the hell's going on? It also means the owner
3: of Ikea is like 120 years old. What? no... (laughs)
1: So uh, that, that would make him 97. Yeah, well, here's the thing. He died on January 27th, 2018 at age 91 in oh. Almhult, Sweden.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, we all missed that news story. Totally.
0: Yeah. Apparently, yeah. we did. Even though, maybe it's because we didn't have Doug's excellent <laughs> pronunciation. That's probably why. Time for the second half of this show. Second half is brought to you by depositaccounts.com. Stephanie, you know what happens when you go to depositaccounts.com? I do not. You find that those savings account rates, CD rates, checking account rates, money market rates you're getting from your brick and mortar bank might not be the best available. At depositaccounts.com by Lending Tree, they look at all the different rates. As an example, as we record this, which is a little bit before you're hearing it, so. Head to deposit accounts for the real numbers. The national average on a savings account, 0.42%. Top 1% average, according to deposit accounts, 4.53. If you get any of them in the top 1%, 4.53. CD rates, listen to this. National average, 3.56 for a one-year CD. Top 1% average, 5.46. And a money market rate, national average, 0. 0.71. Top 1%, 426 Find all the rates to compare banks and credit union rates, by the way, at depositaccounts.com. Did you know that, Steph? I did not. Isn't that amazing? So happy to know it. So, yes. am- so amazing. Even more amazing is you guys are going to help our stackers do better with their 401k plans. So let's set this up. Len, you talked about being too conservative when you started your 401k. We got plenty of stackers out there just beginning with their 401k. So if they're starting out, how do we make it more aggressive without going too far?
3: Well, um, stay light on the bonds, I would say. You know, you want to go into those stocks. And then, now there's different stock funds that the basic ones, you know, you can do the Dow, which is the simple, or you can do the S&P. You can do the NASDAQ. And if the tech, the tech ones are the small companies. Usually, if you go with the tech funds or the small company funds, you get a little more aggressive, right? So they'll, those will be a little more aggressive than maybe the Dow fund. So, Um, you want to be balanced. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, but make sure you're, you're spread out and you're a little lighter on bonds when you're first starting out. Because, uh, you know, if you're going to do like I did, I really penalized myself early on being way too heavy in what they call a stable value fund, which yes, I know I did it when I was young. I was stupid. Or even bonds, you're just not going to get those returns. So kind of stay heavier on the stock end. And if you, some of those stocks, you want to make sure you get maybe more aggressive stock funds, like maybe small companies or technology companies, stuff like that.
4: Lens like the mistakes of my youth being in a stable value fund. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, you know me, Paul. I, you know, I'm always risk averse, but I mean, just think of you, you're being young and you're, and you're really not knowledgeable. And, uh, you know, you're just getting and then you're you're just compounding, you know, just a terrible mistake. But, hey, we learn more from our mistakes than we do from our victories. Right.
0: Why is, though, th- there's people yelling at their device right now, though, Len, going, why is it a mistake to be in a stable fund? I mean, if it's stable and it can't go down, isn't that a good thing? Why? Why is it a mistake to be in the stable? Well, Because
3: value? of time. Again, I mentioned about your time horizon. Right. And, and time is when we talk about compounding growth, you need time. Time is a big factor there. And the longer your timeline is, the more you can compound your growth. If you're earning 2% or 1% in a stable value fund, the the compounding is not very aggressive. It's not very impressive at all. You want to compound bigger returns. So really get that oomph and have that shot at being a millionaire, you know, making a million, having a million in your 401k or more when you retire.
0: Yeah. No, I love that advice because you know, the way I look at it, Len, is that, you know, with inflation traditionally at three or 4%, if you're earning three or 4%, you're just staying even, which means you have to save dollar for dollar for your retirement. Who the hell can live today yeah. and save dollar for dollar for you? You can't do no, it. You can't do it. And there's no. You're ne- you're gonna very safely go nowhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by using a stable yeah. value fund. Exactly. Way too safe. But time in those stock funds gives you a better approach. Paula, uh, he talked about diversifying. Is there a way you like to think about diversifying those funds inside a four hundred one k?
4: Sure. There are a couple of different approaches that you can take. There's what's called the barbell allocation, which is having all like basically not, that's essentially a way of uh, stating that you don't have bonds. You have all stocks and then you have cash. So it's it's like you've got the two, if, if you're picking up a barbell, you've got the two extreme ends of that barbell. That's one way that you can do it. The other way that you can do it is that stock bond mix or equity bond mix. And I mean, the ballpark to start from is your age in bonds with the remainder in equities and then if you feel like that's maybe a little bit too conservative, you can aggressive it up by, um, you know, your age, uh, you know, you mean or, your
1: percentage, your age as a percentage. Is that yes, what you mean? Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. I think that's, I
0: think that's way too conservative.
4: Yeah, yeah. Tons of
0: publications say that, and I think you'll get where you want to go, but you could be a lot, lot, lot more. Yeah,
4: I, th- I think it's too conservative yeah. as well. It's like, it's a nice, I, for beginners, it's kind of a nice way to just rem- take this overwhelming idea of asset allocation and and make it feel very simple. But yeah, I agree. I think it's a little bit too conservative, but you can just start with that and then do um, adjust it by 10% or 20%. Especially
1: if you're lens age, he'd have 101%. (laughs) 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 He
4: he was friends with Ingvar before he died.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We uh, used to go over to his house, put furniture together. Paula, <laughs> another way to start out for people, you know, thinking about this at the beginning, the thing I love about this book called *A Simple Path to Wealth* by uh, J.L. Collins mm-hmm. is that you can get there with one fund. I mean, you you can use mm-hmm. one fund. What I really like about J.L. Collins' book is not whether the asset allocation is good or bad. I think that's irrelevant. I think the magic of his book is stop worrying so much about it. Look at how much Len you really, you know, smoked your returns because you were overly worried about risk. And I think J.L. Collins does a great job of saying, listen, don't worry about that. Choose a single fund, and he gives you a wide, a widely diversified fund, the total market index, and don't worry about it. I mean, Paula, don't you like that? That just, th- th- that to me is the way to go.
4: Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? So uh, the title of the book is very apt, you know, A Simple Path to Wealth. So what J.L. Collins outlines is the simplest possible approach that is still reasonable and sound. I have no objection to his approach. One thing that I do notice, however, is sometimes I will see among my more sophisticated listeners, I will see some confusion because they're like, man, I'm I'm hearing this, you know, from JL Collins, but then I also am hearing this from, you know, these other sources. Me too. I think it's important to recognize that what is simple is not necessarily optimal You can either take the simple approach, which is what JL Collins outlines, and go just VTSAX all the way, or you can go learn what the efficient frontier is. But those are two very different parties that you're choosing.
0: Yeah, well said. It always drives me crazy when people sophisticated every other piece of their life decide not to explore the idea of better diversification, which would be so much Mm -hmm. more efficient and so much better. But I love it if you're 25. If you're twenty five, forget mm. about it, because it, it you know, your asset allocation doesn't matter. Stephanie, you're aggressively shaking your head or nodding your head. But I don't want to ask you about that. I want to pivot if you don't mind. Feel free to talk about that if you want. But what I want to ask you about is what you said in the first part, which is save a little more. Save a little more. And then you mentioned, well, you think you can't save more. So how do you, as a financial planner, trick people into saving money they don't think they have to get more in that four oh one K?
2: Well, I I will just make one comment on the investment choices if I could, because I'm a huge fan of the freaking target date funds. You know, they're not always perfect and they're not always great. But when I started in the industry, the default investment option for retirement plans was the money market, which is back to lend stable value type option, right? That's not going to get anybody anywhere. And then they changed the rules. So the default is now a target date fund. You could do a lot worse than being in a target date fund. It's simple. You pick one. It's already asset allocated and diversified for you. And then you worry about the other things. And you worry about putting more in, right, to Joe, to your question. yeah. One of the things that I think people maybe kind of get conceptually but don't realize what it means is that most contributions into a 401k, 403b, 457b are pre-tax. Now, a lot of plans you can do Roth, which is sometimes a good idea. But the idea that it's pre-tax means that if I'm going to put in $100 extra per paycheck, my take-home pay doesn't go down by 100 Because they take out the 100 then they calculate your tax. So you're paying less tax now. So I always tell people, try it. Bump it up a few percent. You know, if you're thinking about a range, oh, maybe I'll do 10%, maybe I'll do 12%. Try 12%. See if you can live with it for a couple months. If you can't, you know you're going to go in and change it down. But if you try it 10 and you think, oh, yeah, maybe I could bump it up, you're not going to get around to logging in and bumping it up. So go for that higher amount. Remember it's not dollar for dollar cause it's pre-tax and then, you know, adjust if you need to.
0: It's amazing how many times when people took that challenge, people called me and said, let's low, you know, I had to go back in and lower it. And, and by amazing, I mean, it never happened. It never, right? never once did somebody yeah. call me in 16 years and go, I had to lower it later. I couldn't do yeah. it. Yeah. You adjust. Yeah. Just challenge yourself. It, it's wild, but you don't have that money in your paycheck. You you totally adjust. Len, when it comes to you putting money into your 401k, how did you decide how much to put in?
3: Well, when I was younger, I started at the minimum, which was the company match. And then I vowed and I was faithful to this that every year I would put half of my raise. I would bump my 401k allocation. I would use half of that raise into the 401k. So within, you know, several years, I was, you know, pretty much at uh, 10 or 15%. Uh, going fully into the 401k, which was nice. So, uh, and what's nice is when you use your raise to a portion of your raise to funnel that into the 401k, you never miss the money. You don't miss it. You never, it's like you, you, it's totally painless. The only thing that happens is you got more money going into your 401k, but as far as your everyday living and discretionary, you never miss it. And, uh, it's, it's really nice. There are some companies also that, well, you can tell them automatically. You'll say, Hey, every year I want you to bump my 401k allocation by this percent. And they'll do that too. That's another, just, you know, make it automated. And you don't even have to think about it.
0: I love Stephanie, how Len called the match, the minimum. Because you and I know the match is not the minimum. You can put in a heck of a lot less if you want to. And I was never surprised to see tons of people not putting in even that much.
2: Oh, yeah. You can put in zero. I remember when I was you know, back at the hospital, a 62-year-old housekeeper came in one day to sign up for the plan. She had worked for the hospital for 30 years, and she'd never signed up for the 403B because she was intimidated by it. And we walked through it. We explained it, you know, got her signed up. And then she stood up and gave me a giant hug at the end. She said, I was so scared to come in and talk to you. Because I think for a lot of people, this stuff is intimidating and, and scary. And then, you know, they lead to head in the sand behavior, which is never the right way to go.
0: Now, we were talking about that the other day at one of our meetups. I had a client back when I was an advisor and Len, you'll appreciate this. He said, Joe, I look at this like going to the dentist. I was, fe- I was feel great <laughs> afterwards. But ahead of time, I can't stand coming here. Like, I don't want to go. I don't want to look at it. He just didn't want to open the thing. He didn't want to see it. Like, if you don't see it, it's not there.
3: You know, you look at that match. If you don't take that match, you're you're leaving money on the table. So that's the first way to look at it. Yeah. The other way that helped I like to look at it is it's kind of like an insurance policy. If you're kind of afraid of losing money in the 401k because the market takes a look at it as an insurance policy. That That's an instant 100% return that you're getting on your with the company's matching you. So, at least up to that match, that's an h- instant 100% return. And so if the market does go down, I mean, look at it this way, ha- you know, half of that money that was contributed by your employer anyways, and they're absorbing some of that risk for you. So, but on that
2: point, Len, I've met lots of people who say, "Oh, there's no match in my plan, therefore I should not contribute. I should mm. not participate." And that's flawed reasoning yes. as well because it's such a nice mm. easy way to build your assets on a tax-favored basis, fix it and forget it. You know, We keep talking about match, but if you don't have a match, still please participate in your plan.
0: I don't have that statistic handy, but there's a ton of millionaires that got there without match.
1: Yeah, everybody's point's better than mine. But Joe, you might remember a few episodes ago, we were talking about this, and I think OG brought up the example. It might have been his dad, if I remember right, where he's like, I'm not giving those jokers any more of my money because he thought that it was the company's management that was – helping to manage the 401k or like he was giving them the money and then they were investing it. And there are people out there who still feel like, well, since it's sort of through my company and through my paycheck, and I don't believe in the leadership of my company and this place is a, you know, a joke. So I'm not giving them any money. And it's important, I think, for especially people who are just learning about their personal finances, ideally, you know, many of our listeners, yeah. they have nothing to do with it, yeah, right?
0: No, they have a custodian. They have a professional company. That invest it. Often it's a company you've heard of like Fidelity or Vanguard or uh, Schwab, T. Rowe Price, some, some big name company that you've heard of before. Uh, you know, an offshoot of that, Doug, is that Len earlier talked about investing in his own company, right? Putting money into the stock there. Paula, if somebody's got their individual stock for their company or individual stocks available in their company, how do you feel about investing in that?
4: Uh, not great. I mean, I understand why a person would want to do it. And oftentimes they can get a special price on the shares, but you lack diversification when you do that, because not only are you dependent on this particular company for your paycheck, and for many people, you're dependent on it for 100% of your paycheck, like meaning you—that that is your one and only job, right? So it's already your only source of income. And if in addition to that you are also then investing in it, you're putting a lot of exposure into just one single company.
0: Uh, Stephanie, anything we forgot, any any good last piece of advice that you've got for our stackers to use their 401k better?
2: Oh, I would totally want to agree with Paula. You know, some people say like, oh no, I know the management. This company's great. It's only only going up. But there are so many unforeseen possible risks out there, right? I mean, there could be a negative regulatory ruling that goes against the company and all of a sudden the share price goes to pot. Heck, a giant sinkhole could swallow headquarters. Like we don't know, right? Like So there is no company that is immune from all risk.
3: You got to watch too, because some of those matches are companies will match in company stock. You got to watch that. So go in and if you want to reduce that risk of having too much company stock, Make sure you're reallocating because it doesn't take long for that company stock to make up a big percentage of your 401k if they're matching in stock. I
0: think It's a great point. I think that's a great place to leave this discussion. By the way, I'll leave people with just two more things. Number one is remember your beneficiary designation on your 401k. Uh, You're going to have one. And too many times I've seen people that were surprised that their ex-spouse was their beneficiary on their 401k still and they disinherited their entire family. Because the ex-spouse didn't really feel like giving the, giving the money back and you can't get takebacks. So check that. And then second, in our show notes, we'll have a link to the episode where we actually went over when you retire, what to do with the 401k. We talk about when to roll it over, when not to roll it over. And that was another great Roundtable discussion we had. We're gonna leave it there. We'll go to our guest of honor, Stephanie last to find out what you guys are doing in the amazing places where you work full time, not here with us just on a weekly basis at stacking Benjamins. But Len, let's start with you, man. What's happening at lenpenzo.com? Uh
3: well I'm working on my my sandwich survey. It won't be out until the seventh of August, but uh I'm going to be uh, hitting the store and doing my price survey in, in preparation for my uh, my annual uh, brown bag lunch sandwich survey. That's fabulous.
0: You've been nice enough to uh, – you're going to come on the show and do that again with us too.
3: Yeah, looking forward to it. Yep.
0: It's going to be so – I look forward to that every year. And the last couple of years, we've gotten some good national media, Len, around that again. We'll see if, if the media attention – with all the inflation we've had lately, you know – uh, I can't remember. Do you do egg salad sandwich? Do you do egg salad sandwich?
3: Yes, we of course we do oh, egg salad God. sandwich. Yes, yes. Yeah, I
0: can't wait to see what the inflation is I can there. I smell it already. Yes.
4: Paula, what's going on at Afford Anything? On the Afford Anything podcast, we have an economics professor named Peter Atwater who talks to us about the role of confidence in the performance of financial markets. So when things are highly uncertain, And or when people feel like they do not have a strong sense of control, both of those things diminish confidence. And when we as a society in aggregate have low confidence, that shows up in market performance. So uh, he comes on to discuss that and how we can look for indicators and, and how we manage our portfolios accordingly.
0: Stephanie, you made this episode so much better by being here. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, tell me what's going on at the podcast.
2: So our most recent episode is one of our Real Retirement Stories series. So a woman I met recently, Gretchen, a.k.a. G-Rex, on her own podcast, whose name I can't actually say on the air, she shares the fact that when she faced her retirement date, she started having mental health struggles and actually went through a series of major depression. She luckily got help and got through it, but she is very open and vulnerable about sharing you know, the kind of loss of identity and loss of community that she was worried about facing after a long, successful career.
0: But those aren't, Stephanie, just ghosts that she's worried about. Those are real things that happen to real. I mean, I've seen this. You've seen them, too. The studies on that, like people go yeah. through this whole emotional roller coaster.
2: Totally. Totally. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to share that one.
0: And that's at the Take Back Retirement Podcast, wherever finer podcasts are found. All right. That's going to do it for today. Big thanks to everybody for hanging out with us today. I hope you got a lot out of this. Make sure that you follow us on social media and tell us what you thought about today's episode. Was there something that we forgot? Is there some place where you, how did you either do the right thing with your 401k or if you're really brave, tell other stackers how you messed it up. I always feel great when people are able to, to help other people by saying how they messed stuff up, like Len today talking about not, uh, not having things aggressive enough. But either way, just uh, reach out and say hi. All right, uh, Doug, you've got it from here, man. What should we have learned today?
1: Well, Joe, first, take some advice from our panel and leverage your 401k to build wealth. Second, don't make the mistake of borrowing against your 401k. Nothing can hose your retirement plans faster. Unless, of course, you're not saving at all. Make a plan and stay the course. But the big lesson... Forget about IKEA boudoir furniture. Sweden's real contribution to culture is death metal bands. There's like 37 metal bands for every 100,000 people in Sweden. And how do they keep getting voted world's happiest country when their bands are named like Dark Funeral and Entombed? Hey Joe, we gotta get their marketing department if they can make that country happiest. Thanks to Stephanie McCullough for joining us today. You can find her podcast, Take Back Retirement, wherever finer podcasts are found. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Thanks to Len Penzo for joining us today. You can find Len at lenpenzo.com slash Railways Super Thanks also to Paula for joining us today. You can check out her amazing podcast, Afford Anything, wherever you're listening to me right now. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihi. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of the Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn & Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators. And Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know this show is for entertainment purposes only before making any financial decisions speak with a real financial advisor i'm joe's mom's neighbor doug and we'll see you next time back here at the stacking benjamin show
0: Len, I was just up in Minnesota, and I thought you might like this. Check—we went to this museum in Duluth, and I bought this shirt.
3: Oh, awesome! Yeah, I love it. I love it.
0: Isn't that kick-ass?
3: Yeah, that's kick-ass. That's very so nobody cool. Nobody has
1: any idea what you guys are talking about and what you're so excited
3: about, Len. It's a podcast. <laughs> and then Len,
0: I caught a fish this big. <laughs>
3: The Great Northern Railroad. That's very cool. Let's see. Great. I think they were bought out by the Burlington Northern Railroad, actually. And, and all these, I just fell asleep. In all the mergers, which was in turn bought by the uh, Santa Fe, Burlington Northern Santa Fe.
0: Yeah, BNSF. BNSF. I went to uh, the, uh, a museum in Duluth that was a railroad museum, and it was amazing. Awesome. It was fabulous. If anybody gets to go to Duluth. Uh, Stephanie, you're shaking your head. Have you been to Duluth?
2: I have not, ever. No,
0: I'm (laughs) putting it on my list. You're you're like vigorously shaking your head. I'm like, she must have been there before. Nope. Yeah. (laughs) It was. It was pretty awesome. That is. It it was. I highly recommend it. What was was really neat was they had a uh, they had a display, and this sounds like it would be super boring, but it was amazing. And it was all of the china that they used on their you know long trips. So it had all their logos on it. So the plates you ate off of, if you took the, the one of the Union Pacific trains or the great Northern trains or the, oh my, they were beautiful. Like the, the stuff people laid off back in the day was amazing. fancy dining cars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it didn't, it didn't come in a little box that they threw at you, Stephanie, like on an airplane (laughs) today. Yeah. Or a little, you know, plastic cup where you're super excited when they give you the entire Sprite. Instead of just making you drink just a little,
3: you know, even you know, up a to a decade ago, was it maybe a decade ago, maybe a little more? I, my my folks used to take the train cross country, and they'd take the Amtrak, and they'd get a sleeper, you know, and uh, they enjoyed it. You know, it's a great way to travel cross country if you're not in a hurry and you'd like to see. I mean, you see some great scenery when you're crossing the country.
0: I love taking it. I've just taken it to Dallas. The bad news is it. Dips down and then comes back up. So where you can drive to Dallas in two and a half hours, it takes five <laughs> on the train. But the cool thing is somebody else is doing the driving. And if I have the time and I've got some work I want to do, I've taken it, I think, three times now.
3: You know, if if you're ever in Southern California, and you just want to take a quick, just kind of get a taste of what train travels like. there won't be a sleeper thing, but the, you can take, like, for example, the Pacific surf liner between San Luis Obispo and San Diego. And you can get on between. There's stops along the way. Um, but, uh, and it follows the coast the whole way, uh, maybe almost the whole way. And, uh, it's beautiful. Absolutely. Fabulous. Beautiful. So, uh, and it's fantastic kids. Kids would love it.
0: The other thing we did, we were at Voyager national park and there's, there's like no very little self service. And so I'm driving around because most of the park you can only see via water and they call it Voyager national park. I never knew this. Does anybody know why it's called Voyager national park? Here's here. Here's a quiz question. Doug, you might know you follow the the big parks. Uh,
1: I'm going to guess it has something to do with the French fur traders and them voyaging. Yeah, it is. Oh, very good. That was good. exactly
0: what they were called. They were called the voyagers, uh-huh. and they would get these uh, furs, and they would get them from from the native tribes that lived across the northern uh, United States Canadian border, and they would sail all the way through the St. Lawrence Sea. They go three thousand miles with these things. Three thousand? Can you imagine being in a canoe for 3,000 miles? Cool. I can, it reminds me, Paula, of that time that you sent me a text where you ran like 200 yards accidentally. <laughs> and, you,
4: and you were like, you do this for fun? <laughs> I thought that I was going to be late for a Stacking Benjamin's recording. And so I, uh, I ran for like two whole minutes and I sent Joe a text. I was like, man, worst two minutes of my life. <laughs> I'm with you, Paula. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's almost no cell service, almost none. But when we drive the boat around, I would just look for service because I'm in this fantasy baseball league and I had to change my lineup every day. It was it was pretty it was pretty stupid, and nerdy. But the big thing is all my music's on streaming. Like, Stephanie, do you do you have any CDs at home anymore? I have
2: so many CDs. I don't <laughs> know how to get rid of them. I don't listen to them. But do they're you? Like, I got zillions.
0: What do I do with them? <laughs> I got rid of Don't. I got rid of mine. There was actually a group that we had partnered with for a while a few years ago and I I used them. You could scan them using the scanner, you know, using the camera on your phone. You could scan the little code. They would tell you how much they give you for the CD. Pack them in a box and they would give you money for all, so I got rid of almost every CD that I owned. Wow. I might have to do
1: that. I would say don't do that though. They're actually getting a lot more popular, kinda like how vinyl is made a comeback. I think Len and I have talked about mm-hmm. this. CDs are coming back uh, with a lot of the kids who are trying to be cool retro audiophiles because they have amazing sound quality. A lot of them do. And uh, you know they've got that old school unique vibe to them i kept all of mine and my son who's way into that sort of thing uh, he's got probably a third of mine and i've got several hundred more waiting for him to take i want to get rid of them myself but i would not get rid of them stephanie they could be like beanie babies they could be worth a load of Collectors money items. <laughs> but
2: it's i mean i remember eight track tapes it's sad that the cds which were like the new music version are the old school stuff now
1: yeah they sound a little bit better than There A-track. are
3: CDs that have gone out of print too. I mean I mean most oh, yeah. of them now. But I mean oh, yeah. even the, the there were some that were only briefly in print, and if you have one of those, I mean they're they are worth some bucks.
0: Yep. Oh yeah, the ones you can't stream now, Len, the things yeah.
1: that didn't transfer over to streaming services, get the rights, yeah. yeah, that are gone. I've got a John Lee Hooker album that I can't find anywhere else. And so I'm it may I haven't looked at a value, Len, but it might be one of those. Yeah. Doug just said he found a hooker that nobody else could find. <laughs> there aren't a lot of them in northern Michigan, Joe. <laughs> They're all in canoes for 3,000 miles trying to get here. Doug feels like he's been in canoe for 3,000 miles. But, See um, how I brought that full circle? The great comedians bring a so, full circle. So I don't
0: own any CDs except one. I own one CD. So Len, I've got a video and I'll see if I can put this up in the basement Facebook group, but we jammed for four days to the relics.
3: You did. Oh, well, <laughs>
0: fantastic. I did. <laughs> yeah. My family's like, who is this? This is really good. And I'm like, this is Len's band. They're like, no, it's no, no, no. I'm like, yeah, it's fantastic. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, so my whole family has memorized your album. <laughs> Well, that's great.
3: <laughs> Maybe I should give you a whole bunch of them. You can start giving them away, Joe. Because I've got, I've got a, what, I probably got two or 300 still under my stairs. Well, we got to sell those things. <laughs> oh, we could sell them now. You should come
4: to New York. People give out, they stand at Times Square and hand out free CDs. <laughs> yeah. Do they really? It's a thing. Yeah. And there's, there are even these signs, permanent signs that are, uh, you know, affixed in Times Square that says if someone hands you a CD, it's free. Donations are optional. And they're like, public uh service announcements put up by the authorities
1: What the hell's a CD of Bands trying to break um, make no a break idea. Yeah they're just musicians who are trying to get get people to listen to them
4: Yeah oh. but uh, apparently enough enough tourists have been um browbeaten for like a, a mandatory donation that <laughs> yeah. that they had to put up signs saying An the option. CDs are free
0: An optional mandatory donation? <laughs> yeah. Like when the person at the, at the bakery turns that iPad around and they're staring at you and it says, would you like to give a tip? And (laughs) all I did was took your order and I'm going to go over and get the stuff myself. You know, would you like to give a tip? And they're staring at you while you, you know, put that in. As far a-